This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. We elves try to stick to the four main food groups. Candy, candy canes, candy corns, and syrup. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. Welcome, fellow money nerds, to the Stacking Benjamin Show. No, I'm not Joe's mom's neighbor of Doug, and how dare you even think of that. I'm Steve Stewart, engineer extraordinaire, covering for Doug while he's mysteriously disappeared. But today we've got a special treat, not just because Doug's gone, but we welcome back RCA recording artist D1. Also, we share headlines about a con man who escaped from prison and another on people mortgaging houses to buy Bitcoin. Yeah, that'll end well. Plus, we throw out the Haven Lifeline to a lucky listener, and I'll share much more better trivia than you ever heard from Doug. And now, two guys who think a good rap includes lettuce and cheese, Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G! Nice rap this time of year. I like the Buffalo Wild Wings rap, but you got to sub the mild chicken for the sweet barbecue. Just I don't understand why you get a rap at Buffalo Wild Wings. It goes with your beer. <laughs> like, like you're just going to let them fight it out. The healthy food and the unhealthy thing. I'm pretty sure the rap's not very healthy either. <laughs> Maybe not. But you feel like it is eating it, which is the important yeah. part. Well, that and the pound of fries. Hey, everybody. I'm Joe Salci. I average Joe Money on Twitter, just so you know who is on which side of the table here. I'm on the, uh, the go ahead and let them fight it out. And on the pound of fries side of the table, it's the one and only OG. Do you tend to go with the fries or are you like me where you go, oh, man, they have onion rings? Onion rings. The bad news for me about onion rings just don't agree with me an hour later. If you know what I mean, like onion rings with a side of Tums, please. And I'm good. Then, then, then I'm fine. No, I love onion rings. And it, I know. I had Whataburger yesterday and oh. I was ordering it and I was like, oh, wait a second. Every time when, onion rings. when my son graduated, we drove by like three in and outs and, my, you know, my heart goes pitter patter every time we drive by. Like, I love you. I will be back. I promise. Someday. I will be back. The doctor says my cholesterol is low enough again. (laughs) Speaking of much better food and making sure that you can enjoy the holiday season instead of the hustle and bustle, thanks to LowFresh.com for supporting Stacking Benjamins. Get this, OG. Get $30 off your first week of deliveries when you go to HelloFresh.com and use the offer code STACKING30. We're going to stack 30 bucks toward a Benjamin using Stacking30. Thanks, HelloFresh. And also, do you know that according to a 2016 Gallup poll, about 48% of all Americans don't own any stocks? 
How about that for troubling, huh? Well, M1 Finance ought to change that trend, help everyone become really invested here at the end of 2017. They built an incredibly powerful and yet amazingly simple online investing tool. You can open an account with as little as 100 bucks, and they've got a great offer for Stacky Benjamins listeners where the first year, it's free. All you do is head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash M, the number one finance Put in Stacking Benjamins in the offer code when you're setting up your account and one year free on us because you know us. With M1, you can select from dozens of professionally designed portfolio pies, as they're called, or you can customize it to your liking by selecting anything from the NASDAQ and NYSE. Tremendous thing about M1 is it really grows with you as your needs change over time. So you can start off automated like a robo and then take over if you decide that's what you want to do. Maybe do a little of both at once. Why go with something that's suboptimal either way when you can use M1 Finance? M1, be invested. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash M1 Finance. Man, we got a great show today, OG. D1, that guy lit it up at FinCon. You were at FinCon this year for the first time. Yeah, it was awesome. He was incredible. He brings his incredibleness to today's show. We got that, but we got headlines first, so let's move. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins Headlines. This comes to us from a local Fox News channel, looking to see exactly which which uh, one this is. Darren Berg, Seattle's mini Madoff OG, escapes prison after bilking investors out of $100 million. $100 million, uh, you can't live on it. It's not it's quite enough. Good start. I mean, if you're going to bilk people, don't you kind of shoot for the big B? <laughs> I mean, come on. Who is this guy? Right. U.S. Marshals uh, tightness dragnet last week for a command dubbed Seattle's mini Madoff after the 55-year-old escaped federal prison where he was serving an 18-year sentence. Oh, and he escaped prison. I like this. He, no, this, this is... The story's th- getting better. This is the getaway story. Darren Berger was convicted of swindling investors out of a, more than $100 million, walked away from a minimum security prison. Love it. That's that's how you do it. Everybody has these con plans. Like, how, how am I going to get out of prison? I can, like, sneak through the garbage chute and ride the laundry truck. No, you just go, see you later, guys. I'm yeah. going to go this way. I'm out of here. Walked away from a minimum security work camp next to a penitentiary in Atwater, California. Two weeks ago, Wednesday, as of the time that we're recording this, still hasn't been caught. It's a little after Thanksgiving. Darren. Okay. Darren Berg will be captured, held to account, and returned to federal custody, said Emily Langley. Uh, Not with $100 million, he ain't going to get caught. <laughs> well, that's if he still has it. You Haven't don't you ever the- seen Blacklist? This dude's like Reddington. He's got connections all over. He's going to jump in his private jet. You think like Reddington, he's going to walk GCFO. back in? Going to walk back in and say, hey, I'll help you, but only on my terms. He might. Yeah, that would take some stones. Between 2001 and 2009, Burke bilked more than 800 investors out of more than $100 million, eventually earning him the Mitty Madoff title and a nod to infamous Ponzi scheme crook Bernie Madoff. I bet these people, you know, when we had uh, Diana Enriquez, who wrote The Wizard of Lies, that Mm -hmm. HBO movie, she actually wrote the book for that. When we had her on, I remember her telling me that, you know, Madoff kind of liked the fact that. You know, Ponzi like the fact they called it a Ponzi scheme, right? I mean, Ponzi was a guy. Because it was his, his, his name, yeah. Yes. Madoff like being, I wonder if Berg hates being mini Madoff. <laughs> like if that, Man, I got Berg. Yeah. Yeah. Like if that, if that completely bothers him. Well, it shouldn't. He's got $100 million of stolen money. So. Maybe, unless they confiscated it. Let's read more. Berg pleaded guilty to wire fraud, money laundering, and bankruptcy fraud charges. Used investment funds from his company, Meridian Group, to buy two Lear jets. See? One for reserve and one to fly now. Smart. Two Lear jets reminds me of that line from the movie Wall Street. How many yachts can you water ski behind? Yeah. How many jets does it take when one's not enough? Well, when you have a lot of friends, you know. Several yachts and million-dollar condos and homes in Washington State and California the course of a decade he was, uh, by the way, got his uh, moment of fame. He was on that CNBC series. American Greed. American Greed. Yeah. Yeah, that's when you know you made the big time is when you get mm-hmm. on American Greed. When CNBC does the story about you. We go back to, with people like this, we go back to, once again, the Diane Enriquez interview. We'll link to that in our show notes. But, but like she says, you can't just believe what you hear from the advisor OG, you really do have to do some basic homework. You've talked about broker check before. I think it's probably a good time to remind people of that. Uh, broker check or reading the information on the uh, about the firm on the SEC website, advisorinfo.sec.gov. 
uh, is a great place also. But there's just some safety protocols that you can put in place, right? You don't write checks to your advisor ever, right? Your money needs to be at a qualified third-party custodian. And these are all names that you recognize. like Which means you're not going to DarrenBerg.com to look up your... Yeah, yeah well, well, what you, you have. can do that, except it's got to like link through to Fidelity. Or well, that's what I'm saying. Thing. You end up at a site that's like Fidelity.com. If you the might- only statement you get is, you know, <laughs> he rips it off the yellow pad after after meeting with you and goes, uh, well, here's how much money you have <laughs> and hands it to you. Yeah, you, you, you know. Oh, I forgot. I, there's I a number. There's another zero in that. Let me put another zero down. There you go. How about that? How's that sound for you? Oh, you don't like your return? Hold on, it just got better. I'm looking at my computer. Oh, you just made a bunch of money in the last three minutes since he said yeah. you weren't happy. I put all your money in Bitcoin last week. Um, <laughs> what could go wrong? Yeah, what could go wrong? So third-party custodian is really the big... That's the common thread. If you uh, have your money in a place that is only accessible by you and only accessible to the advisor to do transactions then you protect yourself. If the advisor can take money out of your account without you knowing or your permission, bad juju. And our second headline comes to us from Yahoo Finance. Love this one via Business Insider. And Elena Holodny wrote this piece. With all the Bitcoin run-up lately, people are putting their homes at risk to buy Bitcoin. Speaking of Wait, what- is this not a good thing? <laughs> yeah, I, just, I just had the appraiser out yesterday. Uh, Bitcoin, of course, has soared higher and higher, and people have started to do creative things to get in on the action. Some have even taken out mortgages to buy Bitcoin, while others are purchasing the cryptocurrency with, wait for it, credit cards. Obviously. It's so easy. A securities regulator told CNBC on Monday, we've seen mortgages being taken out to buy Bitcoin. People do credit cards, equity lines, said Joseph Board, president of the North American Securities Administrator Association a voluntary organization devoted to investor protection and director of the Alabama Securities Commission told CNBC. Oh boy. Oh boy. You know, I was Circus. I was watching a guy on CNBC just last week and he was talking about how a lot of people don't understand Bitcoin and he's in technology and he understands it and he understands why the run up is happening and he says that Bitcoin's going to go to 100,000 by the end of next year, I think. He thinks Who it's going right. to continue. Or going. zero. Well, and that's the my little asterisk. The part that they didn't record was when he went, <coughs> or zero. Well, well, and that's my point is that to his credit, he said it took him 18 months to get in the trench and figure it out and know for himself. And you know what I said? I said, applause to you because you took the time to learn about it. I'll bet. The people mortgaging their house, because this this smells to me like the last real estate run-up, like the last gold run-up. It just has this same feeling. I remember people telling me that, you know, uh, with tech stocks in 1999, that, that, you know what, Joe? Balance sheets don't matter. You, you don't understand. You don't get it. This is the new it. economy, Joe. <laughs> the new Forget e- all that training that you've had in finance and studying the markets for 100 years. I think out of all and, the downturns I've lived through in different asset classes, the phrase new economy is the one I like the best because yeah. there were so many people that bought that one hook, line, and sinker. And I'm not saying that Bitcoin, I don't know if Bitcoin's going to go up yeah, you or don't down. Have a, you don't have a value judgment. You're not trying to say it's going to do anything. You, you're just saying if you're going to use it as a speculative investment, you better know what the heck you're getting into. Yeah, do Here's it. the other problem with this is that there are going to be, just like the big short movie, right, where there was the guy who was right eventually, cost him all of his friends and most of his clients, but he finally was right and made like a bleep load of money, right? There's going to be the guy that was right about this too. Not the guy who like, you know, bought a thousand Bitcoin, you know, when it was 15 cents or whatever, you know, whatever the heck. But, but I'm talking about like the guy who goes, no, no, no. I cashed in my 401k, I mortgaged the house, I pulled all the equity out and I dumped it all in Bitcoin and now I'm a gozillionaire. And they're going to make a movie about them and that's just going to embolden the next group, the the next thing, whatever it is, right? Because everybody thinks that they're just one one deal away from being being a billionaire. Charlie Munger had a really good thing on Twitter the other week or whatever that basically said the effect, something like, it's okay that other people make money faster than you. Right. It's okay that somebody is ahead of you, basically. Cheryl and I were having this discussion just last week because a family member made a bunch of money on Bitcoin. She said, wasn't that a great investment? And I said, I use investment like a verb. 
and it was a great outcome was what it was. I I still don't think it was a great investment. It was a great outcome. It was a very lucky play because on data, there is no data. And and, and on the other side, I'm seeing the uh, naysayers now saying it's a bubble, right? 500 million people saying it's a bubble or it's fantastic. I don't know which it is. Yeah. I don't know if it's a bubble. I don't have any flipping data. I got no data. There is no bubble if it's if there's no data. I mean <laughs> it just Yeah, you gotta know what you're getting yourself into. And I think a lot of people are a lot of people are gonna find out the hard way that um speculative investing, and it's not investing, right? It's speculating, is no different today than it was in the eighteen forties when people took a pickaxe and started chopping at rock in the middle of the valleys in California and went Look at that. Well, Found a whole bunch of gold. Yeah. I mean, JP Morgan CEO, Jamie Dimon, went even further than that and said it was worse than the tulip bulbs, referring to the 17th century Dutch tulip mania. I wasn't alive bubble. then, so I can't comment. No, just before you were born. Let's talk about this idea of leverage, though. People mortgaging their house to get into it. Have you ever seen that before? Have you ever done that with clients? <laughs> God, No. Uh, the problem with leverage is that it sounds, it sounds sexy, right? It sounds like it's the new economy. It sounds like it's the, you're pulling one over the, pulling one over the everybody, right? Like, <laughs> look what I figured out how to do. And the concept of it is great, but it never tends to work out, right? I'm, I'm borrowing money at a low interest rate. I'm going to invest it at a higher interest rate and off we go. Interactive brokers, uh, years ago, I don't know that they still have this deal, but Interactive Brokers years ago had an offer. If you invested a million dollars in blue chip stocks, they would give you another million dollars to invest at 1% interest. And their pitch was the dividends on those blue chip stocks, if you just buy a basket of them, is going to be 2.5%. And your interest rate's one. What can go wrong? No brainer. Yeah. You're, you're borrowing money at one. You're you're getting two and a half easy, but the problem is, is it works great until it, and, and you hear this, it works great until it stops working. And when it stops working, it stops violently. <laughs> and the reason it stopped working was because the value of those underlying securities went down along with everything else in the ensuing rundown. And then there was a margin call. And uh, all yeah, of a sudden, and, and, and you're like, so, what you gave me, you gave me this money with a 1% interest rate. What are you talking about? Well, we, we did. Did you yeah, read the fine print? Leveraged against the million dollar account that we said couldn't go below 900. And now it's at 875. So now you got to sell. It's, you know, it's just a self-fulfilling prophecy. The problem with using leverage for speculating is that it, it's no different, Joe, than, than going, I'm going to take credit card advance and go to Vegas and go to the casino. It's I no get, different. You might get right. There's a chance, right? There's a chance that you take that thousand bucks out of your American Express cash advance, you put it on double zero green, they roll it, you walk out of there with 350 grand. There's a chance. I got talked into this early in my career. Going to Vegas? No, no. In our office, everybody was telling their clients to refinance their house and put the money in the stock market. And then you'd pay off your really? mortgage. Yes. And then you pay off the mortgage more quickly. And, oh uh, and, and it was horrible. I mean, but I don't it, know that you should be admitting this. Well, 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 and here's the problem as a brand new advisor, you don't know what you don't know, which is yeah. why we always say, you know, I remember being a brand new advisor and hearing Susie Orman of all people say, make sure your advisor has 10 years of experience. And I remember getting so mad going, yeah. no, 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 no. You don't need that. I've got all these licenses. I got all this stuff I went through. And now that it's been what, uh, uh 25 years in the, make sure your advisor has 10 years of experience. Well, here's the problem with 10 years now. You know the problem with 10 years? Yeah, they've barely seen a rundown. They, they haven't seen they haven't seen a bear market. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This that's... is uh this is going to be a spectacular train wreck when it happens. Now, luckily eventually. for luckily, and I, I mean I'll finish this story. Luckily for me and my clients, that actually did the strategy worked out. We were doing the strategy starting in 1994, 1995. And uh, man, when that thing ran up, I remember looking at these huge accounts that people had versus the mortgage that they took out. And so it ended up being something that worked out. But I didn't realize at the time how flipping lucky we were and how stupid that was. That was. It's it's the same thing with this. There's going to be winners. There's going to be people. There's going to be somebody in your office that says, you know, I made a gazillion dollars. I would always ask them, why are you still here? (laughs) Right. You know, 
Right. Hey, Mr. Smarty Pants, you made eleven million dollars in Bitcoin yesterday. You're still drawing architectural plans for eighty-three thousand. I'm just saying you might want to sell I, out. <laughs> I wonder that too. I talked to our inner circle in the uh, the basement, stackingbenjamins.com forward slash basement. If you want to join us, I don't know if you saw this discussion, OG, but but there are now ahead of us in the iTunes ranking in our subcategory. I just go there and see what's going on. And all of a sudden our ranking was much worse than it usually is. I'm like, what the heck? There are now six, six podcasts that didn't exist a few weeks ago with either the word blockchain, cryptocurrency, or Bitcoin ahead of us. We missed it. That that would be such a great idea. Like just to put like Stacking Benjamin's the anti well, we're not anti. We're just No, we actually said I think what we should do is we should run with it. We should for like one episode change our name. And actually it was Bill Dwight from uh Fam Zoo uh mm-hmm. who who said this. You know, if you had if you our had our new name is Bitcoin, 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 Ethereum, Litecoin. Stacking yes. Bitcoin. Stacking Bitcoin. Yeah, stacking Bitcoin. We should have that be our new be our new title of the show. What happens. Right. So I think the lessons are uh the key to a successful podcast, it's all in the title. It's all in the sizzle, baby. <laughs> And uh, refinance your house. Go for it as long as it works out. <laughs> if it Here's does- to the marshals tracking down that uh, crook out in uh, Washington. Yeah, go get that. Go get that person. We'll get them. And don't believe somebody's word for it. Make sure when you get statements, they come from a reputable third party. I think that's great. Use FICO's broker check. You can use stackingbenjamins.com forward slash broker check to get there. FINRA's broker check. What did I say? FICO's. Yeah, not FICO. FICO does that broker check. FINRA does. Get my acronyms right. Well, you've heard his songs, I Ain't Got No Car Note, and I paid mm-hmm. Sally Maybach. Sally Maybach. Guess what? D1 is here. He began rapping when he was in high school, began publicly performing when he was attending Louisiana State University. After he graduated, he started teaching middle school math, which I think is just incredible. He sold mixtapes on the side. This guy has done everything. In 2016, he released Sally Maybach, which uh, reviewers called a hyper-energetic track. Would you call it a hyper-energetic track? Yes. It's so would I. Uh, Celebrating the completion of his student loan payoffs. In addition to his own budgeting, he used part of his label signing advance to pay off his loans. The track, of course, has received critical acclaim from CNN, ESPN, Forums, and Stacking Benjamins. Here for his triumphant return because he's got a new album out called Slingshot David, I'm going to walk over and call him up on my dad shortwave OG. Let's say hello to D1. And I'm my dad shortwave. It is D1 with us. Welcome back to the show, man. Thank you for having me. Dude, I got to tell you, I felt very blessed to be able to talk to you at FinCon up there on the main stage. But when you when you performed, uh, you stole the show that day. That was incredible. Man, that was one of the highlights of 2017. It was just, I don't know, I, I get like an athlete before shows. Like, I, I get back into that mode of when I play sports, and I, I just take it as like, all right, I got to go out here and bring this energy to where, you know, it's not even a close game. And not that I'm competing with anyone in particular, but I'm just trying to make sure I bring my A game every time. So I think that helps keep that chip on my shoulder. That seems to be your message on the new album is being everything that you can be. I mean, listening to the tracks of Slingshot David, it really seems to be the story of your life. It is definitely the story of my life, man. I think the most powerful thing on this earth is that each of us has a powerful story, but many people don't get to tell their story while they're still here. And I feel like so many people can learn from your story. So although I'm, I still have a lot of life to live, I wanted to tell my story on this album. I knew how powerful it would be as far as reaching people and really opening people's eyes and, and inspiring people. So I wanted to tell my story on this album. And the goal is for my story to motivate people to find their slingshot so that they can defeat their Goliaths. Cause I found my slingshot. Let's play a little bit from the beginning of it. I want to play this. Cause I want to ask you about this. This is the very first track on slingshot. David said, Jojo, how old are you, bro? 10, 10. Yeah. I think you old enough now, man. I wanted to sit you down today and tell you my life story, bro. And how I found my slingshot. What's a slingshot? What's a sling? <laughs> You'll see. Just pay attention. 
Now, I ain't never told nobody this before. I'm going to keep it all the way real with you. You think you can handle it? Yeah. You sure? Yeah. All right. Let's go. And you proceed then to teach JoJo about what a slingshot. Is JoJo a real person? JoJo is a real human being. <laughs> yeah, that's funny that you asked that, as if he was a uh, a clown or a robot. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 I didn't mean JoJo. it that way. I didn't. What I meant, D one, was is JoJo some actor playing this kid that you know that you're Not, kind of counseling? Yeah. Yeah, JoJo is really a 10-year-old. JoJo is my best friend's nephew, and my best friend unfortunately got murdered a few years ago here in New Orleans, where I'm born and raised. When he got killed, I just really felt a, a need to take his three nephews, he has three nephews, take them under my wing and be that mentor, you know, that big brother type of figure that could really help guide them through life and teach them some life lessons. So JoJo is the youngest of the three nephews, and yeah, he's so candid. He's so funny, so witty to, to say he's a 10-year-old. So I figured this would be good. This would speak to my teaching roots if I narrated my life story to him throughout. So nothing you heard on that album was scripted or pre-rehearsed. That was one conversation with JoJo and I. Yeah, and to that point, I want to play one later on. This is a skit before one of my favorite tracks. is called Intelligence. And uh, let's play the skit and just a little bit of that. You ain't never had a girlfriend, huh? I got a girlfriend right now. What? Is they recording this? No, we're not recording. Yeah. She go to school with you? Yep. What, what, what's her name? <laughs> this dude here. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They think I'm crazy. Dick it fat, boy. I'm that dude that's intelligent but still kind of Corporate America, one still in the hood. If you know me, then you know I keep it real with the hood. If I ever sign a deal, I sign my deal in the hood. 28 on the ACT, but I grew up in the streets. I told them I'm going far, but they act like they ain't CD. These boys remind me of a hamburger dressed up. Same dudes who had beef saying, let us catch up. And all I want is to go and get what's mine. They call me crazy, but I know it's my time. They call me crazy, but that's just how I grind. They call me crazy, but this is my time. I, th there's so much going on in these songs. But the first thing I got to ask you, why the hell did you lie to JoJo right there and tell me you weren't recording? <laughs> <laughs> because, man, I need the honesty out of him. And see, <laughs> JoJo is at an age where if you have a girlfriend and you're in, what is he in, probably fourth grade or something like that, and you're 10 years old, you're still to the point where you don't want to say that publicly because your mom is going to fuss at you and you're going to get in trouble. And JoJo wasn't going to be honest with me if I told him I was recording. <laughs> so I had to trick him to get the honesty out. But out of respect for JoJo and his relationship that he's in, I bleeped the young lady's name out. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're respectful to him that way. I thought that I laughed out loud when I heard that the first time. But 28 on the ACT, that was you. Yes, sir. That was me. I was a great student. So that's why I never would have imagined that I would have taken the route to become a rapper because Normally, the people I was used to who rapped, they were people who who didn't do well in school and who didn't talk about school in a way like school was, you know, something positive. They always talked about dropping out or they talked about school being something that, that they didn't enjoy. And, you know, I was actually good in school. I love that. I watched an interview with you talking to Tony Tony on uh, New York's Hot 97 about confidence and I love how you talk about, where does your confidence come from, D1? Because you, as you may know, you have a little bit of confidence. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think that my confidence comes from having been knocked down so many times and having faced so many Goliaths in my life and seeing that I've continued to get back up and seeing that I'm actually equipped to defeat these Goliaths. Like there's been no challenge that's been insurmountable. Some are harder than others, but I'm here and... You know, I have defied the odds in a lot of ways to uh, to make it to where I am. And, you know, that that's just confidence that comes from, you know, you think about who your teammates are. You know, I have a great circle when it comes to mentors, when it comes to people who are really rooting for me. And, you know, ultimately I have God on my side. So same as David. David went into battle knowing, of course I could defeat Goliath. You know, it might not look like it on the surface, but I know that I have this slingshot and I got God on my side. And it's that simple. 
I absolutely love that message. When you talk to young people, because you talk to young people all the time, your message about what you're bringing to the table seems to be so much different than so many other people are bringing to the table today. Yes. And that is one of the things in this world that confuses me the most because many people don't realize what their gift is and what their purpose is. Right. And, and then you have some people who realize what their gift is, but they don't realize what their purpose is. So my goal is to get people to connect to their gift and then to connect their gift to their purpose. So when I speak to young people, it's easy for me to talk about my gift, but I think the purpose part is tough because we have to, we have to decide is our purpose, are we basing our purpose on something that we want to do? Are we basing our purpose on something that God wants for us? Are we basing our purpose on what the world wants and, and what the culture and what society is telling us we, we should do? And for me, I want young people early on to, to be thinking about, you know, the proper way to decide and to walk into what their purpose is. So for me, it's, it's been it's been something that I, I figured out the formula, literally figured out the formula to living a um, a fruitful life. Yeah, and pe- that's, that's what I want these young people to know. Well, people don't, a lot of people don't realize that you were a math teacher. Was there actually a point where you thought that your purpose was being a math teacher? Yes, of course. When I was in that classroom and I saw the light bulb going off in the head of my students when I would teach them, I was like, wow, I'm very effective here. And for me, true to the game of being a, a math teacher and being a numbers oriented person, I got to the point where I said, Hey, I can actually be more effective in this world if I have the platform of a, of a rapper, but the heart of a teacher. Yeah. So that's essentially what made me want to jump out there and become a rapper full time. Because yes, I, I was definitely doing a great job as a teacher, but I could reach so many more people as a hip hop artist who still had the same the same morals, the same heart, the same, um, you know, the same passion as I had when I was a teacher. So that's why, that's one of the reasons why I made the jump. Man, this, this whole album, Slingshot David, I love you teaching Jojo all the way through it. Is it fair to ask you what your favorite song is on it? Uh, sure, because my favorite song, it changes from time to time. Right, um, I, I, I think depending on my mood. So <laughs> right now I'm really into, um, into hood villains, really into hood villains. I like that it's up-tempo. It's the type of music that, you know, you can wake up to in the morning or you can work out to and, and it feels good. But the message is very powerful in terms of asking, you know, what's the problem in the hood and exploring three different potential hood villains from drug dealers to Uncle Times to even institutional racism. These are really thought-provoking topics and, and these are things that don't get talked about enough. But this is a conversation that I overheard in a barbershop one day. So it inspired me to want to write a song about it, to put music to a narrative that I know already exists. Let's listen to a little bit of Hood Villains right now. Everybody want to know what's wrong with the hood. Who's the hood villain? Who's to blame? Yo, cuz, I'm going to tell you who to blame. It's them dope dealers standing on the corner killing our people. Drug dealers on the corner serving crack or marijuana, heroin. If you want to shoot it up, then they could juice you up. Supply and the demand of every woman or man. And the object is to keep them coming back again and again and again and again and again. Keep them hooked. Destroying families and leaving everybody shook. Remember that look when you first found somebody in your family high off dope? And you knew the dealer that sold it to them, sold it to them. The dope boys make it look so sexy, though. New cars, yeah. I love how you said you you overheard a conversation in a barbershop. I think that's another thing, D, one, that uh, people don't understand, young people especially, that like creativity is all around you, and you, you seem to pick up creativity wherever you're at. Yes, man, you can get motivated from anything. That's, that's, what, I, that's what I realized. You can get motivated from a conversation that you have, a conversation that you overhear. You can get motivated from a movie. You can get motivated from another song. You can get motivated from things that you really go through in life. So motivation is everywhere. Money was very prominent in your last releases, of course, with uh, Sally Maybach and I Ain't Got No Car Note. Money kind of takes a backseat to purpose in this album, but I really still feel money's still kind of there, isn't it? Yeah, money is always there because for me, money is a part of my life and a part of my brand that I can't escape. So I talk about 
how number one in in the intro I say um couldn't afford Jordans growing up on my block. <laughs> now instead of Nike shoes, I buy a Nike stock. I stack my paper. I invested. Too bad we've been psychologically molested. You know, I talk about money on the very first song and and how you know people are out here breaking their neck and and dying sometimes and spending their last dollar on a pair of Air Jordans. And I'm like, I'm I'm in a frame of mind where instead of buying some Nike tennis shoes, I I rather buy Nike stock first. And <laughs> this is something that uh stacking your paper, you know, and investing it. I think people need to hear this. People need to know that that's what's cool nowadays. That's what's smart nowadays. And that's what's going to, that's what's going to make you into a better human being because we would all, we would all love to feel like we were ahead of the game instead of letting the game play us. And that's how you get ahead of the game is you stack your paper, you save and you invest. Does Jojo have any idea what a cool mentor he has? He does. He does. And Jojo <laughs> shared something with me, bro, that I'm going to I'm going to put this video out soon. We were he was jumping on a trampoline one day in his backyard. He has a big trampoline. And all of a sudden, he just started talking about how lucky he felt because a lot of people will never get the chance to just have D1 hanging out in their backyard and just, you know, kicking it with them like how he does. And, and a lot of people would never even meet me in person. And he just started telling me how thankful he was. And it was really unexpected. Really didn't, I didn't even know how to react to it because it kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, that's in, that's insightful. That's really insightful for a 10-year-old. Man, JoJo is special, man. He, he's really special. And I, I really wanted to use this opportunity to really help him see how special he is because he's just being himself, but he doesn't realize He's very gifted and and he really is charismatic and he has a special glow about him. So I'm glad I could showcase him on this album. And JoJo at my album signing event in New Orleans a couple weeks ago, man, people were coming into the event and they were they wanted JoJo to <laughs> autograph the album just as, just as much as they wanted D1 to autograph the album. So JoJo has been signing autographs as a ten year old. <laughs> that kid, that kid's gonna get a big head. Oh man, he. He's, he's humble about it. It's great to still see that he's 10, so he gets shy, and, and he's kind of like, I can tell he's having the time of his life, but he's still kind of bashful about all the attention, and it's, it's, it's amazing. I, I love to see it. <laughs> well, speaking about hanging out in backyards, you're going to be hanging out in a lot of people's backyards. You got a tour starting in January. Tell me, uh, tell me about that. How's preparations going? Prepping is going well. Uh, right now, I'm in the mode of doing heavy marketing to make sure that the word is out about the brand new tour, uh, the Slingshot David tour. I will be in 20 cities as of now, starting January 12th. And in addition to that, I'm actually putting my show together to where I want, I know that I'm a, an energetic, passionate performer, but I want this show to feel more of like a production than anything I've ever done. So I'm actually, I'm actually putting together a, a game plan, a strategy for how my show is going to be set up. So that way, the experience that fans are going to have this time on tour is going to be way better than anything I've ever done. And they already love what I do on a regular basis when it comes to touring, but this is going to up the ante a whole lot. That's awesome. And I'm I'm looking at uh, bandsintown.com forward slash D1 right now. And uh, looking at the looking at the cities from uh, Dallas, Houston, Austin, of course, here uh, in our neck of the woods, uh, Salt Lake City, Denver, Omaha, uh, Chicago, Pontiac, Michigan, where I'm where very close to where I'm originally from, New York, Cambridge, nice. Cambridge Massachusetts. Uh, you're going to be traveling all over. Uh, I'll link to, by the way, your website and also to uh, places to get tickets on our show notes at stackofbenjamins.com. D1, man, thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us. I have to tell you, by the way, for people that weren't there, which is most of our audience, you're performing at FinCon. You're in front of the group. You're about to jump off the stage. You haven't jumped off the stage yet. That was fun. <laughs> but, but before you did that, you invited a bunch of people on stage, which was awesome. We had a desk set up at FinCon, and, uh, and you jumped on the desk, and you're standing on the desk, and the desk literally looks like it's about to fall over. And all I'm thinking the whole time you're up there, dude, is I hope the desk doesn't break. Please don't. <laughs> uh, man, hey, when I was standing on it, I was literally able to feel, and I was like, okay, I have a few more seconds to stand up here before this thing uh, collapses right. to the caves in. So, so I, 
I was up there, and while I was rapping the words to my songs, I was definitely feeling it out with my feet. Like, how long did I have before it collapsed? So I jumped off probably <laughs> in the nick of time. And then I was very happy to see that the FinCon crowd actually held you up as you made your way crowd surfing across the audience. You made it almost all the way to the back. Bro, this is what I've learned. If you come out and you crowd surf too soon before you have won the crowd over and, and got them on your side, but they're 10,000% more likely to drop you. <laughs> because at that point, they're not emotionally invested in seeing you safe or seeing you crowd surf to the back of the venue. But when you have won them over and when you have them rocking and they have really fallen in love with you, I knew I had the FinCon crowd um, you know, on my side and, and I knew I had won them over. That being said... I knew that it would be a successful crowd surf as it was. <laughs> uh, the album is uh, Slingshot, David. You can get it everywhere, right? Yes, sir. Um, iTunes, Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon. And even if, if you want physical copies, they're available on one of my websites, which is uh, missionvisionlifestyle.com. And I'll have a link to that in the show notes. D1, thanks a ton for hanging out with us and good luck with the tour. My man, thank you so much, bro. All right. Hey everyone, I'm the amazing engineer Steve Stewart here with today's trivia. Only before we get to today's question, I've got a bigger one. Where the heck did Doug take off to? It looks like he was in a hurry because, check this out. Why is there a half-empty jug of maple syrup next to Doug's beanbag chair? And who spilled M&Ms all over the floor? And is that cotton candy stuck to the back of this chair? Ugh, kind of reminds me of the movie Elf. Wait a minute. In the movie Elf, Will Ferrell plays Buddy, a human who helps Santa out at the North Pole. Now, you mean to tell me that Christmas is just a week away and Doug all of a sudden is nowhere to be found? That can't be a coincidence. Well, while I puzzle through that mystery, here's some trivia for you. Hold on, Doug left this one, which comes directly from the movie Elf. What's the first rule in the Code of Elves? I'll be back with your answer in just a moment. Well, OG and I and the gang here in the basement, we teamed up with HelloFresh, and they're offering all of us $30 off your first week of deliveries when you go to HelloFresh.com and use the offer code STACKING30. Everything comes pre-measured in these labeled meal kits, so you're going to know exactly which ingredients go with which recipe. There are three different plans you can choose from. I had the classic, OG had the family, and there's, of course, the veggie option. Last week, I had this creamy mushroom pork chop recipe with crispy potatoes and Brussels sprouts. Not only were they those little potatoes that I like, you're going to hear what a chef I am, but also the Brussels sprout recipe, unbelievable. The cool thing is you're not going to spend all night in the kitchen because the recipes only take about 30 minutes. You can feel confident because you have pictured step-by-step instructions. So if you're not a big reader... <laughs> This is also for you. Head to HelloFresh.com. Use the code STACKING30, STACKING30, to get $30 off your first week of deliveries. Thanks to HelloFresh for supporting Stacking Benjamins. You know, down here in the basement, we only like to partner with companies we're proud to put our name behind. So we're excited to announce M1 Finance. Recently sat down with Brian Barnes, CEO and founder, and asked him what makes M1 Finance unique. M1 is one of the only automated investing platforms that allows you to customize the portfolio that you invest in. It creates a lot more engagement and fun in investing while still being easy and low cost. Anybody who's tried online investing tools or used to compromises, do you pick a traditional self-directed brokerage that hits you with commissions at every trade or an automated machine makes you hand over the reins? Don't compromise. Scratch out commissions at every turn. Take back control of your own portfolio and take advantage of the uniqueness that's M1 Finance. Takes minutes to sign up. Start by heading over to stackybedjamins.com forward slash M1 Finance. M1 Finance, be invested. Disclaimer, by the way, both Cheryl, my spouse, and I use M1 Finance. It works for us, but you need to do your own homework. Hey everyone, I'm the amazing engineer Steve Stewart back with your trivia answer. And it's weird that Doug wanted this trivia question today, isn't it? But here it goes. What was the first rule of the Code of Elves? 
The answer? Of course, it's treat every day like Christmas. Of course, that's a nice sentiment, but I have to wonder, and you know what I'm about to say, don't you? Is the movie Elf really a documentary about the life of neighbor Doug? See ya! You blanked. I did. I did. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud. <laughs> I still like him and Zoe Deschanel singing Baby It's Cold Outside in the restroom. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, the women's locker room, basically, <laughs> the right? The women's locker room. Because she's taking a shower. Yeah. <laughs> she's just like. <laughs> it couldn't be. Couldn't be more creepy and funny all, all wrapped into one. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline and tackle some of life's or rather life insurance's most important questions. Our friends over at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they're disrupting the life insurance industry by focusing on those two things you value most. Candy and candy maple canes, syrup, candy corn, maple <laughs> syrup, the four food groups. Your, your family and your time. It's why they created a high quality, affordable term life insurance policy issued by Mass Mutual. You can purchase entirely online qualified healthy applicants they can skip that medical exam that saves you a ton of time head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash haven life now to get a free quote and learn about life insurance the modern way congratulations by the way people in california you can now get haven life like everybody else stackybenjamins.com forward slash haven life today we got a letter from richie richie says hello my partner and i are beginning investors we're in our early 30s Research online says this is our primary wealth accumulation phase and to buy primarily stocks. Is there a point or when is it the time that we should begin buying bonds? Probably the Vanguard Bond Index. Not sure if there is a recommended bond stock ratio for people our age. Thanks. I wonder, I wonder if these people that, that write us about bonds over and over are just, uh, are just baiting you. Thanks for the question, by the way, Richie. Yes. Well, and this just goes to show the generic nature of the investor risk tolerance questions, you know, the suggested portfolios on your 401k website or or brokerage websites or whatever. It's a great point because really what Richie's asking is, what's the rule of thumb I should be using? Well, yeah, maybe it is. And the answer is you shouldn't, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah. is that where you were trying to? Okay, okay. okay. I didn't know. I didn't know what you were trying to go with that. But uh, yeah, at the end of the day, everybody's risk tolerance tolerance for volatility, right? The ups and downs of their money is going to be different than everybody else's, and it also matters what kind of rates of return you need to reach your goals. If you need stock-like returns to reach your goals, then you better not be investing in bonds. You'll just never reach your goals. I don't care what the volatility is or isn't, you know, along the way. I don't know that this is the primary wealth accumulation time in your 30s. I think that most people make most of their money and save most of their money into their 50s. But I do agree that right now is where the benefits of compounding are the greatest, of course, right? So a dollar saved today is worth way more at age 70 than a dollar saved at age 50. So definitely save as much as you can now. Here's the thing. I want to break it down into two different types of categories. Do I want to own companies or do I want to lend money to companies? If I want to own companies, then I partake in two things. I partake in profits and I also partake in the ebbs and flows of the company. Some years are good, some years are bad. And so that's going to be reflected in the stock price. But generally, if you own a basket of well-run companies, think S&P 500, right? If you own a basket of those companies, those companies tend to do better over time. On the other hand, if I lend money to companies, I'm guaranteed a fixed rate of return. This is a bond. So I'm saying I will lend you $1,000 in exchange for 30 bucks a year for the next 10 years, at which point in time, you got to give me my 1000 bucks back. And you're higher up the food chain if the company goes bankrupt, but not that much higher. You know, the people that own the plants and the equipment, they're going to get all their money first. You're not going to get anything or maybe pennies on the dollar. That's what I was just thinking. I can't remember in a time either during my career or the time that I've done financial media that... Uh, that a company went bankrupt and the bondholders got something. Yeah, out. and the bondholders got paid out. Can't yeah, think well, of certainly one. not the full amount, right? Exactly. Right. So, so the question is ultimately, big picture, do you want to own companies or do you want to lend money to them? And if you believe in the long run nature of the, uh, of the economy. And if you believe that the next hundred years 
we're going to have compound growth and, and we're going to have some great years and some not so good years along the way. But 100 years from now, it's going to be better off. I would rather own, you know, slices of those companies than uh, than be lending them money at a fixed rate. So that's where it comes down to me. And the answer to your question is what rule of thumb is appropriate? I would say none of them. It's unique to you. But at 30, my rule of thumb would be all stocks, no time for low rates of return. This is uh, swinging for fences time. I look at the time frame until you need the money. And I back into which investments historically have done that. No, G, to your point, for those long-term investments, stocks and real estate are the two investments that have reliably gotten you there. So, uh, you know, pick your poison, pick both, pick either. Uh, and both certainly have downsides. You know, with uh, real estate, if you're going to go buy a house, you can't, <laughs> it's liquidation becomes difficult. You know, it's funny, I'm hearing in the news now people struggling with Bitcoin just because of the fact that getting out of it isn't as quick as the stock market. Like people that don't know what they're getting into don't realize how hard it is to get the transactions actually processed in Bitcoin. The market isn't yet made for the amount of volume that it's handling right now. And think about the process of getting your money out of a house. You either have to take out a loan. You, you can't just sell the bathroom to get some of the money out. On the other side, stocks are much more quick to be up and down than real estate is which is the downside there. But on the other hand, you have liquidity. So I'll tell you, OG, there are some circumstances, though, where I still like some bond funds. Uh, my sister had a very specific thing that she knew it was going to be a five-year goal. I thought over five years, she and I had a discussion about this last weekend, over a five-year period, I don't know that I leave that money in cash. I also don't know that I take a lot of risk in bonds. So I said, if it was my money, I would use a Ginny May fund. And that's not advice as much as it is, frankly, what I do. I'm taking on a little more risk, but I'm investing in government-backed securities, not government securities, but government-backed securities, I'm getting a higher yield, but I'm also introducing some fluctuation. And when I get there to the five-year time frame, I'm not sure I'm excited about stocks, but I'm also not excited about cash. So there are some medium-term, I guess, time frames where I like a good low-risk bond over just straight cash. Yeah, there's all sorts of individual bonds that you can buy or, you know, treasuries or whatever. But once again, for, for the short term, once again, not a rule of thumb, specific situation, specific usage, specific advice then, or specific uh, non-advice in our case, when you're listening to this show, specific, go talk to somebody about your very specific situation. Thanks for the question, Richie. We also get letters down here, by the way, love to give away some t-shirts to some more voicemail people. Some of those awesome Haven Life t-shirts, but that well is is dry. We had so many come in, and then the well just dried up. So now we're uh, now we're working through the letters bucket on both Haven Life segment and the letter segment. This one comes to us from Bethany. Bethany says, "Hi Joe and OG, been working really hard to meet some basic financial goals, and I'm happy to say I have no debt." $10,000 emergency fund. And I've started saving for retirement. I'm 27 years old. I'm quite comfortable with an aggressive portfolio that at this point is $40,000 invested, 100% in stocks. 27 years old, $40,000 invested, 100% in stocks. So far, so good. I also have a regular contribution of $1,000 a month to this account. I'm not interested in home ownership and don't plan on having children, both for a number of reasons. So the expenses associated with these will not likely apply to my life. My question is about deciding how much to save for retirement. I've calculated that if I continue to save the same amount and got an average annual return of 6%, that I'd retire at 65 with just under $2 million. I also have a pension with work, but don't want to rely on that. Who knows what will happen in 38 years. I'm getting a raise at work, so could save even more for retirement, but also want to enjoy my life while I'm young. Trying to find some balance here. What would you do in my position? Bethany, love this question. Fantastic planning question, OG. This is a great planning question. This is the stuff that we deal with you know, every day, the balance between saving for the future and enjoying life today. You know, you have to be aware of a little bit of the, of the phrase, you know, tomorrow's not promised to anybody, right? But by the same token, you don't want to be looking at, you know, eating cat food when you're 80. So really the answer is, when do you want to be financially independent? Right. When do you want to make work optional? If you are okay with making work optional sometime in your 60s, then I would say, you know, the as you calculated it, it sounds like you're on track. If you want to make work optional a little bit sooner than that, 
then you have to uh, dedicate more resources to it or try to get a better return or whatever the case may be. Once you sign off on that, once you say, okay, here's the path that I want to be on, then you should really have no guilt associated with living life today. Now, you can't slow down your savings in order to do something extra special now. You just have to set aside more money. Like if you say, well, I really want to go to Australia and it's going to cost 10 grand and I don't have that, it's going to take me three years to save it. Well, then it just takes three years. You know, don't ease off the uh, financial independence savings. But if you've calculated it and you are comfortable with, hey, at 65, I feel pretty good with being financially independent at that time. Enjoy the rest now then. Yeah, go for it. Absolutely. Yeah, I love how individual this is. I also think that at this point, you know, you think to yourself about about that age 65 and or your opinion is going to change when it comes to work later on. Like if you're enjoying your life, you get the next raise and you're happy with what you're doing today, uh, put the put the pedal down a little harder and let's see if we can make that 55. Well, you definitely want to give yourself the most available choices, right? Because you know, your life looks a lot different at 25 than it does at 45, right? You know, when you're when you're when you've been doing it for 20 years and you have 20 years to go. Which is the case at her age to really think about not to think just about investment diversification, but also to think about tax diversification. Because when she starts pulling money from these different places, she's going to want to have the, you know, we talked about flexibility earlier. She's going to have the flexibility to take this out of whichever pot is best, depending on how old she is at the time. Exactly. Yep. Thanks for the question, Bethany. If you've got a question for the show, head to stackybenjamins.com and you'll see at the top of the page right there, questions for the show. Click that link and you'll just see how to do it. Leave us a Haven Lifeline or uh, send us a letter. Thanks also to everybody who's reviewed this year podcast, wherever you listen, that tells people what they're getting into and they listen to the Stacking Benjamin show. I love going up and seeing mom's fridge with all of the, all of the sometimes just downright hilarious reviews of the podcast. Also, if you're looking at finishing 2017 on the right note, kicking off 2018 on the right note, guess what? OG's taking clients. So to find out what it would take to get him in your corner working on your behalf, head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash letter O, letter G. Man, that's going to do it for today. On Wednesday, one of my, we have so many of my favorite episodes. I know I say this whenever we have a letters episode, but there are certain annual episodes we have. I love it when Robert Niles comes down here at the beginning of summer and talks about theme parks. I also love it when we have a financial celebrity come down and talk to us about what we should have learned from that particular year. David Bach did it last year. Jill Schlesinger from CBS and and uh, one of my favorite podcasters, of course, there did it a couple of years ago. Well, on Wednesday, Today Show Money Editor and, of course, great podcaster Gene Chatsky is coming down here to tell us what we should have learned from 2017. So really excited that uh, get us on the straight and narrow for 2018. Gene Chatsky going to join us. And then of course, on Friday, our last round table of the year before we've got a great week of shows, some of our favorite shows as uh, we clean up the basement, get ready for a new year. Uh, we're going to have the Fintern Griffin, the intern down here playing the greatest hits episodes uh, Monday, Wednesday and Friday of next week. So great stuff coming up on the show. Thanks again. Steve, take it from here. What should we have learned? Awesome. Thanks, Joe. I've always wanted to do this. So what did we learn today? First, refinancing your house to buy Bitcoin? We'd rethink that strategy. Don't go into debt to invest unless it's part of an overall comprehensive plan and especially one that's more time tested than blockchain. Second, hopefully you gained some inspiration from D1. Who are you mentoring? Help someone be better with money or find their purpose. You'll feel great about it and help someone else gain a more solid foothold. But the big lesson? Don't question Doug's connection to the movie Elf just because there isn't any reindeer crap on the roof. There's definitely something going on here. Plus, now that I think about it, Doug has issues with escalators and sings annoying songs and he likes to dress in green hats. Do you think? Maybe? Special thanks to D1. You'll find his new CD, Slingshot David, at d1music.com or in our show notes at stackingbenjamins.com. And special thanks to the movie Elf for reminding me of all three rules in the Code of Elves. There's always room for everyone on the nice list, and the best way to spread Christmas cheer is to sing it loud for all to hear. Okay, let's hit that tape recorder and get the rest of Doug's credits. 
When you're done messing around with us, who do you want to teach you some money tricks? That nerd who talks over your head or your favorite basement-based geeks? Kathleen Selmans operates our Stacking Benjamins classroom. And to make up for the fact that we don't teach you anything here on the show, she's created a whole lot of tools you'll absolutely love. Head to learn.stackingbenjamins.com for details. And use coupon code DOUGROCKS for 10% off. Yeah, you're welcome. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm pretty much the guy in charge of everything around here. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. Welcome to the after show. It's funny. We got to have a short after show today because my stomach just rumbled. But Cheryl's uncle is in his 80s and was nice enough to fly down. And by the way, he listens to the show sometimes. But uh, I'm going to tell a story about him because, you know, when you when you're in your 80s, some of the stuff that Uncle Bill says, he's such a character. Some of the stuff that he says just becomes the hit. And this was a story that he might not want told, but... But too bad. But too bad because you are in the family of a podcaster and everything becomes a story. But, you know, you reach a certain age, OG, and you know what works for you. You know what's good. You know how life works. And so sometimes here, of course, in the middle of the day, I go out for a run in the winter because it's in the mid 50s in the middle of the day. And it's much better than waking up at the crack of dawn to go out. So uh, I'll go just before lunch. And on a particular day last week, I come in before we're, he, he flew to Texarkana so that he could ride with Cheryl and I down to see my son graduate in Austin, which we spent the weekend doing that. That was fantastic. So proud of my kids, both of them. But this weekend, specifically proud of Nick. I, I got to tell you, graduation, and I know it was December graduation, so it's going to be smaller, but I also know that when you're at a school of engineering graduation, those events are super small. And I love the woman would say, she'd say, and now the candidates for architectural engineering, blah, blah, blah. Person walks over, gets their diploma, blah, blah, blah. Person walks over, get their diploma. That concludes the candidates for a degree in architectural engineering. They'd have one person in some of these disciplines or two. Nick's, mm-hmm. Nick's had maybe in electrical engineering had maybe 40 but very small graduation, much, much, much shorter than other graduations I've been to. Anyway, so before that, we're at our house here in Texarkana, and I go out for my run. I come back, and Uncle Bill uh, looks kind of disheveled and is standing waiting for me. And I said, hey, man, what's going on? And he said, and he's always very serious. He also is, is an engineer. Looks at me and says, well, Joe... It looks like the toilet's stuffed up. (laughs) And I said, great. And I'm thinking, how horrible would it be to be working on the toilet of Cheryl's uncle after he's used it? I'm like, oh, you know, inside I'm dying already. 
so I kind of give him the soft shoe a little bit. I said, oh, there's a plunger under the kitchen sink. You know, you can use it. I can use it, whatever. And he gives me this straight look again, OG, and goes, I don't think a plunger is going to do it. <laughs> Would you happen to have a plastic bag and a stick? Now, now you're not even grossed out. You're just now you just want to see what kind of engineering is going on. You're like, wait, I can't even figure out how those things would go together. But I got no idea where gotta, this leads. Yeah, now I gotta see. Yeah, well, he told me then. Then he gives me another, and I'm trying so damn hard not to laugh. Like plastic bags under the under the sink also right next to the plunger and uh and the sticks are plentiful out in the plentiful. yard this time of year we got trees all over this yard Your poison if you need a saw i can provide one of those if you need a bigger <laughs> stick and shimmy up a tree and if you need some disinfectant maybe, <laughs> maybe. also there'll be some clorox wipes you'll notice next right. to the plunger you're gonna want to use a lot of those right if you need rubber gloves i don't know I don't know where you're going but he looks at me and says, he's like, I'm going to need a snorkel, <laughs> some fins, and a stick. Maybe. I could just see, though, the engineering mind just going, what? what would solve this? Very logically, plastic bag, stick. Anyway, that uh, that happened at my house. Crisis averted, though, I assume. Uncle Bill, we love you. Yeah, yeah. He figured it out, took the plastic bag with the evidence out to the trash himself. Thank you very much. Unplugged it. Bathroom's great. Uncle Bill's doing fine. Everybody survived. Okay. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is military appreciation month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD, employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.